What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Addicted Hunting Podcast, episode number six. I am Sean Keller. What's up, guys? Marlon Lefevre. How's it going? Andrew Thompson. Cliff Salee is here as well. All right, so today we're going to talk a little bit about late season hunting, uh, dabble in deer and elk. Uh, we mainly have experience in deer, but uh, we'll kind of go over our gear and what we like to bring with us and you know how we set up our camp and we'll dig into tactics and our hunting experiences um starting off with gear obviously late season it's really cold out most years um mine well especially if you're sitting in a tree stand because i know like bobby and lonnie they've told me like dude if you're not bundled up like crazy when you're in the tree stand over there you are dying it is miserable and especially if it's wet out like you got to have layers and then you have to have a gore-tex outer layer like gore-tex is your best friend especially sitting in a tree stand like in some states when it's dry like you could just you could layer wool and you'd be completely fine but a lot of the places we hunt you have to have a gore-tex outer layer but make sure that you guys have plenty of layers. I personally love the Under Armour base layers. That's what I run, the cold gear. Um, I've been running that for like 14 years now, and I love that dude, stuff. Under Armour's been around for 14 years. Yeah, dude. So you're that old? I have the old school Under Armour stuff. <laughs> <laughs> maybe first, maybe not 14 years. Maybe it's more like 12 years. But it's, yeah. I run the first light. I personally run the first light yeah. and run their puffy and – on top of that dude that thing's legit yeah. like that is the most legit puff like i i used to think like puffies were like for like these hippie hikers and i everything. still think that dude until you've worn one of everyone that wears them including oh josh cameron all the guys that wear them. oh so you well they you try cool. it but yeah it's, uh, it may be they're a game changer it may be comfortable and nice dude, it's like warm, wearing a sleeping bag but bro you literally look you might as well look like the marshmallow man this is not a fashion statement <laughs> yeah <laughs> deer don't care bro they don't <laughs> i care I think that the most important part of your system is your base layers, though. That is what is going to hold in your core heat the most. Um, Everything after that is insulation and uh, wind breaking. Yeah, waterproof. And and waterproofing, going back to the Gore-Tex. But, uh, yeah, those base layers are uh, definitely the key part of your arsenal. And when it comes to base layers and layering, like everybody has had long johns, like old oh, cotton <laughs> long cotton johns. All of mine are cut off at the Poly at the belly button yeah. from yeah. when I forgot TP. You guys, especially those guys that are set in their ways, you guys have to steer clear of cotton. It will literally you'll freeze. It. it it's a game changer. When you start sweating, yep. it you get colder. I I hate cotton yep. and it doesn't dry out. So make sure you guys are going with like a synthetic uh, polyester, merino or wool. Merino wool. Um, there's advantages and disadvantages to both, but they both work. Uh, synthetics dry out a little bit faster. Merino, uh, you just stay warm. Merino, you stay warm and you can wear it a lot longer. And uh, your you don't scent, stink. Yeah, you're you're you don't stink. Like Syn- I, yeah, synthetics and merino wool are pretty uh, comparable when it comes to scent. Like. You can wear them for three days and take it off and let it dry out, and it's, it doesn't stink. Maybe it was just me, but I wore my Merino like 14 days straight, and I didn't smell it. <laughs> but that just could have been me. You smell yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, you definitely smelled like <laughs> If you were to walk into town, people would, yeah. <laughs> I probably smelled. I probably smelled, but yeah. I, I'm a firm believer in the Merino. It stays, it, It's warm, and uh, it you know if you, if you do end up sweating a little bit and you, like, 
I know we're talking about late season, but if you in early season you take it off, it dries out fairly fast. And well, yeah, but late season we're still hiking to the top of mountains. Yeah, we're still absolutely. sweating. Like that's why layering is so important because you can take layers off as you need and put them back on. And right. You know, we've all I, I I've done it a bunch of times where you know it's it's thirty degrees out, but I'm gonna hike up that ridge in my in my like my the t-shirt yeah well, your base layer your base layer yeah your your closest layer of your skin just because you're hot and you're you're hiking up you know a thousand foot elevation oh, i sweat when it's 15 degrees out it doesn't matter I'm yeah a, i'm a sweater like no but that it can be your worst enemy too because as yeah. soon as you get up there that's hypothermia you can get when hypothermia you, yeah when you sit down i mean that's where you got to be strategic and and stripping layers you know if you start getting hot as you're walking up that hill Take five minutes, strip a layer off, and you know, cool your body down. Don't get, especially late season, don't get too hot because when you do get to that point where you're gonna want to sit in glass for a little bit, you'll you, freeze. You will freeze, and and that's you know, look at store, look up stories. There's hunters who've gotten big trouble where they've stopped from you know where they were sweating, and they they go into hypothermia. Yep. It's it's no joke, especially when you're getting into the teens and and low you know single digits during the late season. That hypothermia is real, and if you don't stay moving, you you kind of have to play that you know play that equal medium you know where you're you're staying warm, but you know you're not sweating because sweats you know sweating's a bad deal during the late season, especially when you're talking cold temps. Yeah, absolutely. What about feet who has like because for me like i figured it out like my my feet sweat so bad doesn't matter if i have an insulated boot uninsulated boot like i'll wear wool socks like it doesn't matter what i wear my feet sweat so bad so what i do now is um i'll take an antiperspirant to my feet like i even take it with me even like early season when i'm packing in all that i have to because if i don't done my feet will get so cold i'm ready to quit I've never even thought about that, but that's a great idea. Yeah. Well, and antiperspirant on your foot, huh? Yeah. So like that's, you're just the non non scented like Arm and Hammer. Yeah, dude. I just like a stick form. Just same thing as like your armpits. You don't want to sweat. I bought that same that same stick this year, and it was a game yeah. changer, especially because like I'm a, I'm a bigger kid, but I I chafe, and I use that on the inner, inside of my thighs. Dude, I got this stuff. I kid you not. It's called dry balls. Like you guys, if you are listening to this. Look this stuff up. It's called dry balls. Dude, I was the most popular dude at camp. Like everybody's like, "Well, what's that?" I was like, "I'm telling you, like if you chafe, dude, this stuff's legit. Like, I mean, it keeps you dry all day long." I heard about Glide too. Glide. I heard Glide. I've heard of that. I heard Glide's like a, you know, it's like a deodorant stick, game changer for early season. You know, if you start getting a little, little raspy down there, you just. But it's the same thing late season though, man. Like we're sweating. Like you're all geared up. Like I take anything, anything that's going to give me an edge or make me more comfortable. I'm going to do like, and and obviously over time we've learned this through mistakes and trying to figure stuff out. But dude, I've heard of like people like getting Botox injections in their feet to where they don't sweat. I'm not going to go that far. No, no. Cause there ain't nothing that's going to make my feet look pretty. What the frick? Yeah, dude, I'm dead. I'm dead serious. Like, this is how serious I am about it. Like I've looked into all this. Like they're like, yeah, you get Botox injections. I'm like, um, okay, that's overboard. But right. Hey, <laughs> right. Know, hey. Right. So antiperspirant for your feet. To each yeah. their own. Uh, also like 
Marino wool socks. Those have been a huge game changer for me. Uh, I don't get blisters anymore with Marino wool socks. And that goes with all hunting. You know, that's not just late season. But those are super important. They keep the the trench foot away, too, because they're antimicrobial. So they they don't allow your foot to get, like, the trench foot or anything. And I don't know. I've been running them for years. I... I don't buy the spendy ones. I go to Costco and get their Dude. get their hiker socks. You know the, those merino wool. You get like a four pack for like twenty bucks. You I'm wearing them right now. You, you can't beat. <laughs> I the just price. get them on Amazon. Same thing though. It's like a four pack for twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah, you can't beat them. I mean, you can go. I, I've heard um, darn toughs or what? What are those ones? Yeah, I've heard about. I I haven't I haven't ran them before. I don't Anyways, know about them. the merino wool socks. They're they're a game changer. Well, and and. It's funny. There's a, another cliff that we hunt with that he used to wear. I don't know if he switched to merino wool, but he was always wearing cotton socks and he was always getting blisters. I'm just like, when are you gonna learn? It's like those old guys, man. They Dude, they don't want to hard headed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. hard headed. But in their in their cotton camo and just do yourself a favor and just try it. It's yeah, twenty bucks. Yeah, it's twenty bucks. Take our word for it. it. It'll make your life a lot easier. Another thing that I feel like is super important is gators. Yeah. Those things have saved me so many times. And I, I even wear them early season, but late season, like crick crossings, like we all, we all have good boots and whatnot, but even good boots, they start getting damp and they'll start when they can wick down into it. They, yeah, they yeah. leach down into it. You know, and you, when you have gators, you know, they go up at least mine, they go up to the bottom of my knee. So I can literally cross a Creek to the bottom of my knee. And, as long as you're quick. Yeah. As long as you're quick. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to sit there and wait in it. They're not waiters, but they will literally, prevent any moisture from getting down in and they'll they'll save you from your feet getting wet because the best Gore-Tex boot as soon as you start going through any brush that's higher than your boot that water just starts leaking in regardless well not only that but you know you're you're spending a hundred you know anybody any one of us that's spending a hundred and fifty dollars or more on you know a pair of hunting pants who wants to thrash them in the brush you know exactly I've, I've before I got gators I thrashed probably three to four pair of really high-end pants you know at the ankle and they're they're worthless now i'm and you can turn them into capris yeah oh yeah or or early season capris yeah there you go jorts it's like wayne endicott man if you see some of his stuff dude he's he's always cutting his stuff off oh yeah no but uh for real i mean it's you you buy you buy high-end gear and you want to take care of it so um gators are Gators are a game changer. You yeah, can, they'll prolong the life. You, of you'll your save the pant because you. I mean, one season if you're if you're hitting it hard, you can thrash and tear a hundred and fifty plus pair of pants, dollar pair of pants. Oh, absolutely, no joke. Especially like early season gear, it's so thin. Like some oh, of my it's, early season. Oh, gear. it's so thin. It's, it's so thin. You can see through if you hold it in the sun. Most of my gear, you can see through. With like Jesse, he's pretty hard on gear, and he went and bought a bunch of. Uh, I'm not gonna say the brand name, and I it's know not it. that it's bad gear, but it's really thin, and he's just he's 100 miles an hour. If anybody's ever seen Jesse in the woods, he's 100 miles an hour. He he works hard, and you'll tear and it up. Yeah, he he tore up <laughs> this gear, and he was so mad. He's like, man, this stuff's garbage. But I'm just like, no, dude, you're just like, you'll put like your 10 miles on gear is like a normal person's 500 miles. I on did gear. <laughs> the same thing with another company's gear. 
that I will not say. It, it happens. If you're hitting it hard, it doesn't matter whose gear you're wearing. I mean, you're, you're going to tear it up. I mean, it depends on how hard you go. But, I mean, gaiters will prolong your the lower end of your pants, and that's usually where the wear comes from. Absolutely. Another thing, too, boots, when it comes to, like, if you guys are doing any, like, late season sitting in tree stands or anything, like, you're obviously, like, you don't have circulation in your body. You're not moving. So having super warm boots and the boots I wear during late season, like when I'm sitting in a tree stand are boots I got from work. They're like, they're like Arctic boots. They're snow boot. Yeah. They're a <laughs> snow boot. But when I'm sitting there, like it keeps me warm. So I wear them there. What, have you ever messed around with like any of the like battery operated socks or anything like I that? Want Cause to I so know bad. people have like, I thought Bobby got those once and tried them. Have you talked to him about it? I think he does run them, yeah, and I think he <laughs> loves them. I I want to try it so bad. I want to buy one of those suits that have like the heating elements in the like the pockets. The body suit. Yeah, and it just runs off a of battery. Like for sitting in a tree stand, yeah. Dewalt makes them, or Milwaukee, or <laughs> yeah. the jacket. Oh yeah, they do. Yeah, they yeah, do. yeah absolutely. They do. Yeah. Make the cool suits too. Yeah, yeah, that would be that'd be something to look into. Maybe we'll try that this year and let you guys know how it goes. I personally have never sat in a, in a tree stand, but I'm, you have to get something under your feet. That's the biggest thing is like when you get all that cold air underneath your feet, like, dude, I'll take a wool blanket and like, I'll put it over my feet because once again, going back, like it doesn't, dude, it doesn't matter if I got to walk like 500 yards. Like, dude, my feet are going to be soaked by the time I get there. Yeah. Any, so like, anything that. that exposes your feet to cold. Like I, I, per, I work construction and you know, we we're working on scissor lifts and stuff and oh yeah, we will put down just a simple piece of cardboard on our scissor lift and that will cut down the the time that our feet get cold in the in the winter time it it's amazing how it works but we will cut up cardboard and put it in our scissor lift just to keep our feet from getting cold as fast it's sean is your new thing you only chew when you podcast yeah (laughs) don't judge me Marlon likes to give me crap for chewing. <laughs> I don't like giving you crap. I just swear it's like every like 90 days he quit. And then I see him again and he's like, oh, I only do it when I'm fishing. Oh, I only do it when I'm hunting. Oh, I only do it when I'm podcasting. <laughs> I might come up with another time you, I only do All it. you kids out there, don't be filling your lips up with that junk. It's a bad habit. It's bad for you. Yeah. What about uh, what about gloves? What are you guys running for gloves? Like you know, and this is gonna vary a lot because, you know, between like multi-season deer tags, some of us archery hunt, some of us muzzleloader hunt. Like gloves are a big thing, and for every single one of those, you know, seasons, because you know, like with a bow, you have to have like the dexterity. Yeah, the dexterity, you- and with a rifle, even too, being able to pull the trigger. So I was just curious, what gloves are you guys running? I. Like I said, I'm, I run pretty hot. I run the finger fingerless first light gloves, and um, if if I'm sitting for a long time, I'll throw their their thin gloves on too. Under- do those do those have like a mitt that folds over? Is it's not one of those styles? That's they the kind. Of, that's the style I use. I like the kind that has the mitt. I don't. Have I any, think I would like that a lot. I don't have no name brand. It's just something I bought at Sportsman's or Bob's. It was just some mitt gloves that I got, and I just like them. They work. They work well. I don't think that. F- First Light makes a mitt, like a fold-over mitt, but they do make like a shooter's glove. And then, but I don't even run that. Like I don't, typically, you know, like I said, I run hot. So I'm, 
I'm running on the light end during during late season. I I'm sweating a bunch and uh, I run their fingerless wool gloves and that's kind of what I run. I don't think anybody's really perfected it. Like to be honest, like no. it's no. it's a really hard it, thing to perfect. It's because, all uncomfortable no matter how you like. Even during archery, well, it season, all it gets in the way. Yeah, everything like, it's gets the same in the way. way with fishing. Like it's that no one's made a good glove. Yeah, well, absolutely. nobody's used to like we walk around with our hands every day and and then you throw gloves on. And that's a completely different feeling when you have gloves on, no matter what you're doing. Like even at work, I, I wear gloves at work and you know, it's different than having the dexterity or feeling your fingertips. It's, it's different. What about you, Cliff? Uh, usually, uh, I mean, late season, I'm usually walking. I mean, tree stands here and there, but I've got a carbon riser, so I don't, I don't wear gloves. Like even on my, I don't care if you have a carbon riser or not. No, you were hunting in the snow. Done it. Oh my gosh. Darren said the same thing. Do you have a carbon riser? No, I have an aluminum riser, but then your hands get cold. That's why I got a carbon riser. Yeah, but I'm not, when I carry my bow, I carry it by the string anyways. Well then hold it by the handle. And Darren's like, oh yeah, you got to have that carbon riser because your hands get cold. It's like, I'm dead serious. What about the rest of your hand that's not contacting the bow? It's still going to be cold. Yeah, I mean, I guess that could play a part, but it doesn't. No, I'm telling you, like, I don't, I don't wear gloves. Cliff must just hold his bow at full draw all the time. No, I don't. <laughs> I have, I have, so I use a thumb release, so it's in my pocket. So I can ball this one up, and then I have this one holding my riser the whole time. Huh. You got man hands then, I guess. I do. I have, I have girl hands. Look at these hands. calluses. I get cold. Like, yeah, my hands get really cold too. Yeah, yeah. Fingertip. Yeah, like get all numb. So another thing that I think is super important is like a neck gaiter or a face mask. Dude, that's like game changer. Yeah. Uh, what's especially with who rag? Who rag? Yeah, those are the ones that we use, and it's just a thin layer. But dude, that thin layer is just like just enough to to where because you're breathing in it, so you're the you know. The air you're breathing out is yeah. you want. And like I see Phil down. in here, it keeps your freaking body heat like down in your freaking in your clothes. Yes. Keeps it down in there. But What's like those called? full on just like rag. rag. It's just like a synthetic little rag. It's really It's nice. basically like a bandana. It's like a not it's a like a bandana, like it's bungee though. People like call them Balcova or you know, there's different names for them, but yeah. I just I hate like the stuff on my face because like it feels like it just gets sweaty for me breathing in and out though. Yeah, I don't normally ever wear mine on my face. I just have it around my neck. Yeah, around your neck. That's yeah. why I call it a neck gator because just kind of keep it's just it from, like just keep. I mean, that. there's times when I pull it up over, but what I'll do is I'll ride it up on my hat and then I'll just run it like down on my jawline so my face ain't exposed, but it keeps just like everything in. I have a problem putting things over my ears though because I'm a hearing. I, gotta I, hear. I like to hear. I'm deaf anyway. Dude, I noticed that too. Like this year during uh, during elk season, like I would, when it was just pouring down rain, I'd be like, mother effer, and I'd put my hood on. And you I couldn't, can't hear. Dude, I couldn't have it on for more than like 10 seconds before I was just annoyed out of my mind and I had to take it off so I could you hear have, what was going on. It's just on. like your hood, putting your hood on, same thing. Like you put your hood on, like it really like affects your hearing. It's yeah. weird. That's what I literally just said. I think that's oh, I what you just said. The, I thought you were talking about the <laughs> Yeah, no, I was just oh. talking about the hood oh. and the rain. <laughs> but say, same thing goes for a beanie with me. Like I during late I gotta season, put it by or here. My, my, my beanie out. is above my ears. I have to be able to hear. Like that's you know, if if you jump a deer or anything, you never or know a deer or an elk, you know, you you're gonna wanna hear that. And I I can't 
I can't. I don't think I can hear that with a beanie on. So no, I, and it's it's actually pretty amazing how much better you can hear. Like when you throw your hood on and then you take it off, like it's yeah, it restricts your hearing big time, big Absolutely. time, big time. And then when you're you know when you're like over where we hunt and you're you're kind of cruising brush, kind of not really wanting to jump anything, but if you happen to jump something, then you want to be able to hear that. Yeah. You know, I'm really a purist. I like to hunt with earplugs in. You know, you want to give them a chance. I want to give all them by a sight. chance. You know, it's, it's the same fair. thing all as by like, sight. yeah, just earplugs just and a rifle. Spot and stock you know. all by That's sight. how I make it challenging. Instead of bow hunting, I put earplugs in. <laughs> I hunt with a rifle. Oh my God. <laughs> it's getting deep. Yep. Man, you are such a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> the liberals are going to love you. <laughs> so... What's uh, what's everybody doing for late late season this year? Well, I'm tagged out. Oh yeah, forgot. But not Kate, really. Kate, hey, why don't you just brag about it? <laughs> yeah, let's just. Brag. I had to. I had to brag a little yeah, bit. Uh, yeah, Sean, how many tags you got in your pocket left? I've got a bear tag, but I think that oh, ends like that ends like this weekend, the fifteenth. Fifteenth. Yeah. yeah. Dude, let's go tag. kill one. We got to figure it out. I'm going this weekend. Well, I'm going up to our rifle elk camp and help those guys. But I mean, if I see a bear, it's gonna die. I I had my opportunity to bear and I missed him this year, so that's my fault. But it, I mean, it is what it is. What about you, Marlon? What am I doing? What do you got tags? What tags? I you still got, got a late deer tag. I'm gonna be using here for rifle. What is it like next? Not this weekend. Next weekend. Next Thursday is when yep, it starts. Thursday, yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So Literally, I got trail. That's I like got the best season that we have. Yep. And I got some a couple trail cams out in different areas, and I have a really, really big buck coming into one of them. Nice. Um, but it's kind of like in a area that I like. I was telling Sean, I'm like, dude, I just set that area up. Just like if some of my buddies want to kill some deer, or like it's it's like town i mean it's like it's a freezer filler unit it's a freezer filler unit it's not like i mean it's the the deer like sean you know has hunted it before and the deer are like tame practically <laughs> they come into the apples and they're just like tame but there's a giant coming in there dude a that's still freaking still hunting. Hey, look how much time giant look how much time that you put yeah. into that just so like and guys like this this area it is cool it's it's local but and thick. we get to we get to Go in there at the end of the season if you know people haven't yep, exactly haven't filled a tag and we can go shoot a doe and we go fill the freezers exactly, up exactly yeah it's yeah. exactly what it is but there is some nice deer there. Yeah, there, <laughs> but so for me it's like I get excited to be up in like the mountains and in the woods just right. because you never know what is gonna step out the next giant is yeah gonna like step you out. just don't know like you just whereas right here it's like in square mo- I mean you just you can. Pretty, I pretty much have pictures of every deer right there. Yeah. So you'd be surprised on how many uh, blacktail specific, how many blacktails are town bucks that get killed. Oh, absolutely. Like, oh, God, dude, no, but that's the, the same. That's the, the big same ones with... that get killed are usually town town bucks. That's the same with. I'm not saying not the just big blacktail. ones. Not just blacktail though. Like when I lived in Wyoming and Montana, when me and Lonnie were driving home from uh, like a late night at work or something are you the one that told me that so you know someone that goes to colorado every year and all he does is he goes around in the neighborhoods of rich ass houses and knocks on doors and fills his archery tag every year and shoots 200 inch that so that's a guy we know but i didn't tell you that lonnie told you that yeah but it's a guy we know and yeah that's what they do is they drive you guys just gave away such a huge secret who cares 
cares? Nah. If you want to go kill a deer that way, then do it. That's more not power what I to do, you. Yeah. Uh, that's not more to power to you. But when you know when we lived in Montana and Wyoming, there was so many nights we'd be driving home, and there's just giant bucks on the sidewalk walking down the middle of town. I mean, it's it's unreal in the middle. It's winter time, you know. Mm-hmm. It's that's they get pushed in there, but it it's it's insane. But you know, going back on. Marlon, talking about your late season, can you kind of talk about your tactics when it comes to late season hunting with the ground blind? Because you hunt the ground blind a little bit. Yeah, so I I get it going. I usually get it set up like I don't get it going like super early. I just specifically set it up for late season. So I'll start basically throwing some bait out like October, like during early season deer. I'll start kind of getting it ready. Um, And what I really do to prepare for late season is the urine. That's like the number one thing that I do. And what I've noticed is every single year, like I'll have a few does coming in, a couple deer here and there. But the second I freaking hang that urine out and I start like, it's like a light switch. Like the bucks will start coming in. They can just smell that stuff from a mile away and they start coming in. Well, the yeah. time of the year, you know, cause they're going and in. And they're the already rut, in the yeah. rut, you know? And so it just seems to bring them in more and more. It's so that's what I do. I just like to, other than that, I've been trying to rattle a bunch, which I haven't learned yet. And I know, I, but didn't you rattle in a Yeah, block? so this year during the last day of the season, because I've been trying it a ton, and I've been watching videos with Scott Haugen, reading books, and just trying to figure out how to do it, and I was doing one of the sets that Scott Haugen basically teaches you how to do, and I'm walking through this reprod, and basically I'm rattling, and you you rattle like five minutes, wait, 30 seconds, rattle, move move another 100 yards ahead of yourself, do it again, and so I'm like right in the middle, just freaking smashing these antlers together and just out of nowhere i mean like a ghost the thing just appeared at like 60 yards to my right and he was like just a little spike probably 10 or 11 inches tall Zero, but just man. i mean he's zeroed right in on me like as soon as he rounded that tree he was like in where the antlers were like he knew right That's where they cool. were at so i tried i didn't want to shoot him because i just am not wanting to shoot a spike it just didn't even have that much meat on it, it just wasn't that big of a deer so i I pass on him, and I, as soon as, of course, I put the antlers down, start to grab my phone. As soon as I pull my phone out, he's like, "Me, bounces <laughs> off, takes do, off." Do you, um, do you set, do you scent up your, uh, your blind, like yes. as, as far as like your scent, like do you leave a, like I've heard of guys leaving like a sweatshirt in there. So I did that this year because these guys told me that. Yeah, I've, like I've they heard told of that. me like, "Hey, you know, I've heard." And so I'm like, "Oh, well, frick, I'm going to try it." So I did this year I put out a like a t-shirt of mine yeah. in there. But normally what I do is I have I just get the apple scent from the store yeah. and I put that like all over my ground blind and just all around it and just to try to cover scent. Yeah, it. right, cover And then scent. Cliff, one thing I did this year cuz Cliff recommended was I cut a bunch of like evergreen branches and stuff and i like brush yeah, the brush blind in that's mm-hmm. a good idea in yeah. way more than i did last well, year evergreens like just give off that like we i mean as a, as a kid we used to make like our own scent with exactly ev- like pine needles and yep. water so and, that's the same thing i was yeah. thinking it's just the, the more you can cover up your scent the better but like i said in this area that i'm hunting it's it really is a rural you know deer area so there's wallets you know it's a lot of state land but it's rural yeah you know so and i I wasn't a big believer of the ground blind until Marlon, you know, brought that up and and let me sit in his ground blind and we shot a deer. And And they just came right (laughs) in. But it, I, I was worried about scent. I'm, I'm a big 
believer in making sure your wind's right. And <laughs> I didn't, in that area, I had never really been in that area. I didn't know which way the wind predominantly blew. And it, I was kind of skeptical, but I checked the wind and it was kind of blowing the way I wanted it to, but I really didn't know which way the deer were going to be coming from. But yeah. We from your there. left. Yes. Yeah. From your left. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was like clockwork. Yeah. <laughs> I had them so patterned and it's getting to that point again this year to where they're just getting, becoming really patterned. The problem I had this year getting them in there as easy was um, there's just way more apples this year. Like not like la- last year, there wasn't as many apples on all the trees. Yeah. So when you would put apples out, the deer were coming to find those freaking apples. Well, this year, you know, you put some apples out. Well, they don't care because there's 25 other apple trees all over the place that have apples all over them. Were you doing anything special with your apples? Were you so, cutting them? Were you putting that scent I do. out yep, there? Yep, I cut them. I'll put them up in the trees. I'll smash them on the thing. Okay. Um, I This year, I tried some. So what I've been doing is trying some, like, sweeter. And I'm not going to tell people what I use. But there's things that you can buy at the feed store, like granulars and stuff, that blacktail love so just start experimenting with some of those sweeter granules because dude i put some of that stuff out and it was like they were on it like fast i think blacktail and mule deer are a lot alike when it comes to their feed just from you know because we we set baits on the east side and we use the same things (gasps) we get the same Mm -hmm. you know a reaction from the deer so this, I mean, and I, I haven't hunted whitetail much, but I'm sure it would work just as good for whitetail. Oh, also. I'm sure. And I, you know, those, a lot of those guys do tons of different baiting whitetail oh, guys. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's legal in the state of Washington. So you just have, what were you saying, Cliff? It's like under 10 gallons, right? Yeah, it's, yeah you have, yeah, 10 gallons. You have to have under be, 10 gallons of bait. And if you did do multiple sites, it can't be within 200 yards of like each site. So like, say you want to set up multiple trail cameras and mm-hmm. like you want to hit a whole area. So make um, sure you guys are checking your state yeah, regs and for sure. making sure you're legally baiting for deer and elk. Um, it's a nice tactic. I mean, it, it takes a lot of the, the hard work out of it. I, I don't think you ever tail. said, are you archery hunting this or are you right? No, shotgun shotgun? Okay. So it's shotgun. So a lot of the deer that have gotten shot out of there are slugs or buckshot. Or you can you can archery or, hunt it too. You arrow. could archery hunt or muzzleloader. Yeah. Yep, mine was arrowed. So, mo- yeah, some people have archery hunted. I mean, you could do either, but most of us are shooting them with shotguns out of there. Well, because mainly I've tree stand hunt. I haven't done a ton of tree stand hunting, but I've always, you know, with a tree stand, your scent's higher. You know, you have less a chance of being detected by movement and stuff. And so I was really skeptical about that ground blind, but once I sat in it, like the comfort of a ground blind is oh, dude, so <laughs> so nice. you'd almost take like a little mini heat, like a little buddy say, heater oh, in there. Yeah. Did you guys bring a, a a little buddy heater in there? No, but I've thought about it. <laughs> yeah, in a tree stand, like it is, it can be miserable. Sitting dude, if in the a wind's blowing, it can be brutal. You're so you got to be so bundled up with you know, yeah, with your with your hippie. With your hippie puffy. Our hippie puffies. <laughs> yeah, double, <laughs> double layered hippie puffy. <laughs> Tree stands have their advantages. They definitely do. Uh, obviously, people all over the world kill giant deer, elk, bear, everything out of out of tree stands. Has anybody used like the ozone stuff, like the, the ozonic stuff? The what? I have. Ozonics? Like that ozone emitting stuff? Like I've, I've read some stuff the about scent, it. The scent, like scent kill- eliminating? No. Like I'm just, I'm wondering like. No. Let's not even go there, dude. I'm just curious about it. I don't believe in it. That Uh, stuff is like, 
I, I don't like I said. I'm just curious about. It. I'm like Stand I wonder. Stand in the wind with the wind blowing towards the elk, and let's see how well it works. Oh, yeah. dude, <laughs> dude, I watched the infomercial, bro. Like it works great. They showed me, <laughs> and they only want like three hundred dollars for them. Yeah, yeah, sure. I was just wondering if anybody used them before, if they know anybody that's used them. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I just try to play wind as much as possible. Uh, go. Going into tree stand hunting though, like if you guys are gonna be tree stand hunting for late season, make sure that you guys are going in there prepping your tree. Don't go in there the day before season. And prepping start... your path too. Go in the same path. Don't wander. I don't believe that. I do, man, because I've seen elk. Dude, I've, I've seen elk where a buddy rubbed his back on a tree going underneath true. it. It sniffed Especially it and turned for around. Especially big blacktail. If you believe that a big smart blacktail has gotten that big and that smart because he's that smart. Go watch Steve Isdell's videos that he has where Blacktail, he has tested it where he'll put his scent on the trail and he has video cameras of big giant Blacktail coming in and right where his new scent is, they stop, they Turn look around, around, they go like this, boink, and they freaking bail the hell out. And he said he is adamant that you go in the exact same trail Every single time you follow the same pattern because the second you don't, the blacktail knows because they're just that smart. Huh. He said they'll notice a stick that was different from the time they came in. He said that's just how smart that they are. Well, that's why blacktail, I mean, when you see a big blacktail buck, you know he's an old buck. And yeah. that's yeah. just plain and simple. You, you're talking Oregon, Washington, California. When you see a big one, you know it's a mature buck and that he, he was smart. And yeah. I'm not saying that for ev- all the blacktail, sure. but I'm saying if you're trying to kill a giant, if you want to I mean, kill it, a big giant smart blacktail, if you dude, you have to know that scent that makes a huge difference. It, it does, but I've also heard, especially if you're not like frequenting a, a like your stand location mm-hmm. a lot, like those deer also pattern like that trail that you're hiking in, and then they know when you're coming in and out of that area. So if you're playing wind and you're coming into your stand from a different location, then that's less of a chance of them smelling you. I've heard that also. So it's, it's, it's tough. Yeah, to I mean, say. that does make that sense. guy, yeah. that Steve guy, he definitely knows his stuff. Like apples I'm not disregarding apples. anything. Yeah. Yeah, that, just rub down with apples when you go in, man, they'll follow it in there. Dude, I was fed. just, when I watched his videos, cause I subscribed to his thing. It's like $30 a year or whatever. And you, it gives you access to all of his videos. Some of the videos he has of these blacktail that he's captured is incredible. Like you see him in their freaking real true environment and how they react to different things. And it's pretty amazing. And that guy kills giants. Yeah, I know. I, I, I follow his stuff. He, he is definitely a stud blacktail hunter for yeah. sure. Um, there's so many different theories behind it all. There is. And that's, yeah. But definitely... th- going back on what I was saying, make sure that you guys are prepping your stand sites like ahead of time. Don't go in the day before and start cutting branches off your tree. For sure. And throwing your stand in there the day before. Make sure you do it. Like, like I try, it's tough where I hunt because it's a few hours from home. But that's where I'm I try going to, tomorrow, or Sunday. I try to put my stand in there like a week ahead of time at least. And just put it at the base of the tree that, you know, that kind of gets that scent out there. Um, make sure that I try to prep that tree like weeks, plenty of weeks in advance. Mm-hmm. But putting your stand in there, like I try to do it at least a week if I can do it two weeks. It's tough on public land because you don't want anybody to steal your stuff. Right. That And I, I, chain my, I chain my tree stand to a tree. So if you guys are having issues with theft out there, yeah, like keep that in mind. Yeah, they'll have to cut it down. 
uh, same thing with, with, uh, game cameras, you know, like I, I invest in lock boxes. That's a, that's a big thing for me. And I haven't had any stolen yet. Thank God. But I know Marlon's had them stolen. I don't yeah. know about you guys, but well, I'll find out Sunday. I'm on, I, I'm fortunate. Like I'm on private property. So as long as nobody's like jumping property lines or anything, I'm pretty sure I'll be okay. I'm in some pretty thick stuff. So I don't, I don't think I'll have anything to worry about. But like I said, I'll find out Sunday morning when I go in. And another thing that I believe is a huge, huge part of tree stand hunting is investing in uh, like a hunter safety system. For sure. I, I bought one two I years one. ago, and I'm so glad I did. Uh, our buddy Bobby has fallen out of a tree mm-hmm. before and really messed himself yep. up. And I... I don't want to. I don't want to see that happen to anybody. I've any had of my friends. Anybody. I bought a cheap one, a cheap stand. Um, was when I first started hunting, and I got a. I think it was like from the Goodwill or something, and like I was sitting in this tree, and like, dude, I'm starting to fall asleep. And I, like, it was just like the the cheaper nylon strap, like not like hunter safety system. But I'm sitting there, and it was one of those ones where the seat like folds out, and it has the uh, like, just basically the material that you're sitting on is the seat. Yeah. I'm sitting there and like I'm starting to fall asleep and all of a sudden I hear this and like the trees just wind is just howling. I'm sitting there and I hear this. I'm like, what the hell is that? And all of a sudden it just gives way. Dude. Yeah. Wow. Gives way. Drop my bow out of the tree. Everything. Yeah. Scarier than hell. So it's like I would have only fallen just basically to to where my feet were. But it's it's really that simple and there's so many guys every single year and then also make sure you leave yourself an out dude there's guys that get hung up in trees and they stay there hanging like people will find them in the woods hanging like that's no joke make sure you have a way out yeah that that's for sure and what's nice about like those i bought that it's actually that's the brand is the hunter's safety system i believe it's exactly what i have yeah and the way that's set up like where if you were to fall, like standing, in your, it won't let you fall. Like yeah. it, it, there's no way to fall. If you, you adjust it right, there's no way for you to fall. So that kind of eliminates that. But yes, there, I'm sure there is some systems that where you could fall. Oh yeah. Well, no, I'm yeah. Yeah. And it is all, all in how you do, but like if your stand were to kick out from underneath you for whatever reason. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Like yes. that's, that's where some guys, they get caught up in bad situations. And I mean, it hits that, what is it? The femoral artery that's right there. And dude, you're done. Like that's it. Absolutely. And, and if you buy, there's, there's a lot of tree stands out there. Like, especially like I, I run a summit tree stand, tree cl- the, a climber. Yeah. The yeah. summit Viper and that tree stand comes with a harness like a full on body harness, which is awesome. You don't yeah. have to spend the extra money to buy a harness and it's not uncomfortable. Like I, I work on bridges for a living. I wear a harness yeah. every day. So like wearing a harness is I'm used to it, but I it's have just a, not going click, clink, clink, clink. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. They're a little bit heavier duty, the harnesses that I wear, but the, this harness is not uncomfortable. It's, it's all straps. There's no yep. really there's a few metal parts, but they don't make any noise. It's they're actually pretty decent harnesses for, yeah. for what you get. And yeah. Anything to save you though from falling. I mean, it's if anybody's ever felt, you know, fallen from a tree, it's, uh, it's no fun. I never have. So couldn't tell you. It's cause you hunt out of a ground blind. I, right. I'm a walking <laughs> guy. All right. So, you know, we were talking about, 
hunter safety systems and make sure you guys, you know, look into those, make sure you guys are safe out there, but let's start talking about like late season rifle hunting. That's my game. That's what I do a lot. I know. And you're, you've been really successful at it and you just have a lot of experience with it. I have a lot of experience with it in my younger years, but since I've transitioned to archery hunting, like I just, I haven't done it a lot lately. Well, what's funny is you say, dude, I still do just a lot of the same stuff that me and you did way back in the day. I mean, I hunt a lot of the reprod that butts right up against the clear cut, you know, so that those deer will just ride that reprod. And during the rut, especially you'll catch those bucks out in the clear cut in the open thinking that they're safe because they're close to that reprod but they're not so what i do a ton in the late season to try to get big bucks is glass those reprod lines and i'll just glass sometimes i'll spend all day just glassing reprod lines waiting for a buck to show himself on the outside of those well and these deer are acting so differently this time of the year you know it they're they're more active mm-hmm. and I don't want to say they're dumber, but they they're are. dumber. No, they're dumber. They're chasing that one care. thing they, that we all want. Yeah. They don't care if you're there. So you can get away with so much more this time of the year. And it, it is truly amazing how you'll go all year long without, you know, you'll see a few deer, you'll see a couple little bucks. And, and then, then the all of hits. a sudden, there's just big bucks out of the wait. woodworks. I like, can't wait. Dude. Like deer in your front yard fighting like a smasher buck fighting in your front yard in the middle of the city <laughs> andrew texted me the other day and he's like dude i just seen two giants fighting in my front yard and i'm like oh my god i live like <laughs> in a downtown region it's it was crazy dude i got a story about late season we could talk give i'll give one little story and then i think you, i want to hear you guys talk about some spot and stalking but i so this late season story just talking about deer being dumb so i'm hiked probably three miles back in to a, it was another shotgun unit, and it was like late rut. I think it, this was when they used to do the rut. Like they used to give us the season like later. It was like the twenty first through the twenty fourth of November or something. But regardless, it was later in November, so these deer were full freaking rut. And we go out. We're walking this super old road, and I know that there's this clear cut to the upper left of it. And we start to get up there, and I slow down as we get closer to the clear cut, and I start glassing it. And sure, shit, there's this little fork and horn like pretty nice forking horn in the middle of the clear cut and so i'm like dude so i have this doe urine and my butt <laughs> grunt and so and travis bishop's with me and i freaking just whoa and let off the butt grunt and that do, that buck went whoop, right to us dude and i swear to i swear to dude he turned and went instantly right down to that road and i let off another grunt and he was just beelining right towards us and then i squirted the doe pee in the air and i was like squirting in the air and i'm not kidding me and travis are standing in the middle of this freaking road and this buck is just coming right at us wasn't like, the wind right at the buck too yeah he was right i mean he knew yeah the wind was blowing right at him i mean he was, was looking they, they right. just get so stupid this time of dude year. he was looking right at us and it was so funny because i remember travis saying dude are you gonna shoot it dude shoot it shoot it are you gonna shoot it because this thing was like walking right <laughs> towards us and i let it get to like I think it was probably 20 yards when I finally pulled the trigger and shot it. But just a crazy little story to show how dumb they really do get sometimes they, in when they're ruddy. They Absolutely. do. And they, yeah, they do. So, I mean. So that's another thing. In the late season, I always have a set of rattling antlers, doe urine, and a buck grunt tube. Always. I never, ever, ever even hunt the late season without it. Because there's been so many times where it's paid off for me. I've never used one. 
Yeah, I dude, they I work. Use them. Yep. Yeah, and I've I've heard I, I've never work, used one, but I've especially I've on a buck. It's like they've used them or heard territorial yeah, or whatever. Froggy. And, yep. He hears another like, like one thing people do wrong is they overuse it. Yeah. Like everything I've ever read and learned is that it's just a quick, short, wah, like just one little grunt. We'll have to get some grunt tubes in here one day and like play around with them. But yeah. Oh, I have them. I've just never used them. Yeah, yeah. I've heard, and you know, you hear these guys are like. White tails. Yeah. It's like, dude, that's not what they do. Like, they just don't do that. I'm sure so. the white tail guys. They might. I mean, they probably know what they're doing. But yeah, black I tails. have no idea on white. I've tail, heard black tails grunt in the wild before, and yeah, it's very short. Yeah, just won't. Yep. Yeah. So and another, anyway, little an- story. Yeah, and another thing, like when you're hunting that like late that late rifle hunt, like at least around here make sure you guys are hunting all day long. Like those deer active all day long. It's not a morning evening show. It's. I caught him in my yard yesterday or uh, sorry, three days ago at three 45. When I got home at work, they were standing in like we're in, we're talking town and they're in my front yard. Perfect. Those are my favorite rural bucks. Except (laughs) I don't think we, uh, Town we shall not name has a uh, no uh, no fling of the arrows. <laughs> <laughs> they have that restriction. I've uh, been warned by the police officer before, but uh, slingshot it is. He said as long as I'm shooting, <laughs> he said as long as I'm shooting towards my own house, there's nothing anybody can do about it. So I shoot towards my own house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, let's uh, start talking about doing some spot and stalking. You know, because we we had you know and do some mule deer hunting and bench leg hunting uh that's mainly what we hunt in the late season at least you know me and cliff and andrew we we do a lot of that um when it comes to spot and stock mule deer hunting i feel like the weather can be your best friend and your worst enemy just like any hunting but it seems like sometimes this time of the year we get a snow and then it it's on like it it is but then it rains. Yeah, and then and it then freezes. The top of the snow yep. freezes. That's the that's your worst in, enemy, right this there. This is in any state. Any state has this issue, and you can't. It's so hard to spot and stalk in that. Oh, for so, sure. So we found. I'm talking your typical weather, but like we find the bucks, you know, typically high in the morning, and dropping down in the canyons in the or late morning. You know, as soon as that sun pops, they're they're starting to drop down. Usually chasing does, and what we like to do is kind of get we we spot them first thing and try to make a move first thing. Get down there, you know, get get set up. I mean, I'm not a big caller rattler guy, but I like to get in position, be you know where I think they're gonna go. Yeah, and and you know we we scout it. We, we know their trails. We know their patterns. I it's mean, it's so tough this time of the year, though, because it's not like you're going to stalk a bedded buck this time of the year. It's no. re- very rare. No. These bucks no. are pushing does or they're feeding. They're, they're, they're moving, moving all day right now. Because I mean, especially like here in a few weeks when we go on that hunt, on, on my last time of the year, they're going to be moving all day long. Not whether they're chasing does or just trying to stay warm. They're, they are moving all day long. That, that's a fact of the matter is, you know, once that sun comes up, they're moving, they're feeding, they're chasing does. If there's sun. It, <laughs> if there's sun. Yeah. Um, when it gets daylight, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
but um you know it's we've found a lot of them just spot them high and then they drop into canyons we just try to cut them off that's that's yeah that's, you have to intercept them. Like, I mean, we're talking, like, when I talk spot and stock, I'm usually talking, like, early season. Like, we've, we've done in prior podcasts. And and for me, like, as far as the stock's concerned, like, it's not really a whole lot of stocking. It's like, I need to get from point A to point B because I can see where those does are going. And cut them off. And he's headed that way, and yep. I need to get there. Yeah. yeah you got to cut. You, so you it, can call it, like, spot and run. Spot like, and run. That's, that's yeah. what I'm doing. Is it, It's more of a spot and run. It's, yeah. it's not a, It's not like your early season spot and stock where you watch him bed and you, you know. You it's sneak, harder, too, dude, you like, sneak, with all the does. It, it's way, way harder. You mean you got more eyes on you? Yeah. It's it's way harder it's not your typical like watch your watch your buck bed and he's gonna bed there and then you have you know four to five hours to work around the ridge and drop down on him or come underneath whatever you whatever you do but with with that being said that's that's something you got to remember is with these deer moving and they're chasing does or you kind of know where they're gonna go yes if that doe's on a beeline down like if she's on a game trail that you know she's gonna go down like most of the hillsides and in canyons I hunt, like when she's on that trail, I know she's gonna go down that trail and she's going all the way to the bottom. And they're gonna go get in some thick brush and they're gonna bed up for the day or or feed in some brush that I can't see them. But you know once she gets on that trail, she's most likely gonna follow that trail all the way down the bottom. And it, it's just a matter of getting in front of them, keeping the wind right for one. The wind like we talk about these blacktail bucks with you know not dis with disregarding the wind but you talk about these bench legs and mule deer and i i don't know in my opinion the wind matters more over there like they'll they'll scent you out and they'll they'll bust well and when we're coming into hunting these deer you know we're, we're kind of dabbling in two different late seasons kind of post so, rut kind of yeah, post rut it is it is post rut and there is still rut activity but it's not as hard it, so. it's definitely post rut you know you got a few bucks that are you got a few bucks that are still chasing but primarily you're you're hunting the post rut most most of these bucks are kind of just hanging around the does still they're not you know they're they are chasing there's a few chasing but not every one really? of them is they're not rutting. rutting over where it seems like there's a quite a few rutting over in their they, area. They do, but they just act different. That's why they don't allow us to hunt those deer in I was over there last week November. I was over in early November <laughs> those deer are stupid. Yeah. Really? I was over there last weekend and I I mean, granted, I I only came across a few bucks and they were small bucks, but they were stupid. Like this one buck I had, he was dead, like plain as day. He's dead. He was 40 yards from me. He disregarded me. He had a doe 10 yards from him, and all he could do is watch his doe. And he'd look back at me and then look back at the doe for 30 seconds. And then he'd like every once in a while look back at me. And I, I took an Instagram little thing. Insta story. Insta story. Right I took an Insta story. <laughs> And uh, he didn't even care. Like, they well, don't Marlon, they don't give two shits about us. Marlon, we've talked about this in our previous podcasts, you know, talking about does going into second mm-hmm. estrus cycles. And I think that you're getting a few does that are going into their second estrus cycle. Yeah. But I, 
I just don't see the I, activity as you would in early November, and I think everybody agrees like that. That's the, just the majority of the big bucks are going to be on, on their own by this time. Like they've they've done their breeding. That I mean, any big buck, heck for that for that matter, any big bull, you know, they want to breed and then they're out. They're they're not looking to play around. They they get in. They do what they're meant to do, and then they get out. This that brings me and then to they my... go do their walkabout. Yes, they, they go do you know they stroll the hillsides. What, they... what are they doing though after they breed the the deer when they when they are done breeding the next thing that they are going to do is they're going to prepare. They're going to try to fatten eating. up as much as they exactly. can because this rut you know the rut takes a toll on any animal. Like oh, we're, we talk Big elk time. and deer like the elk. The, the amount of fat loss that they that they take is amazing and how they can survive a winter. And the same thing with deer. The deer go and do it even worse because they don't rut till November. Yep, and you know? so they have a short amount of time to feed. They have like 15 days. And in, in most cases, like we're talking mule deer, blacktail, they have, you know, November beginning of November to end of November, we're talking, you know, huge drastic changes in temperature. And they that can be huge like on that's the deer's survival years that you have a hard winter that's pushing in if there's a bunch of snow that's when big bucks die in late season mm-hmm. I, and I don't, they get I don't pushed down it, to these low grounds especially you know i i do believe that these deer can remember and and you know we're talking like two winter two three winters ago we're coming up this this will be the third winter from the, our last big winter and i do believe these animals remember because you see snow fly and these animals start you know after a a big winter like we had three years ago the these animals start heading downhill fast yep. they remember what it what it was like when they got stuck up in the high country and had to trudge through you know belly deep snow well, and, and see, at the same time, though, remember, me and you were talking about some of those bucks that are just living in that crap. Because that one buck that we found his antlers a couple years in a row, like, he's living right there in, like, feet of snow. Exactly. And I was talking to Andrew about that earlier today is those big bucks, when they have their, their like, area where they want to be, it's going to take a blizzard of, like, five feet of snow to get that buck out of there. Yeah. So... Or so, they just winter up and they they find a hidey hole and then you know they drop they drop and then the snow covers and then you don't find them till that next spring. That buck that he found the sheds to a couple years in a row, that buck was literally living in like three and a half feet of snow. Jesus. And he didn't he he wasn't moving from there. Well, I, I mean, they're they're tough. He lives there all year round. They have pictures of him in July, the same spot. They're they're so. resilient, man. They're those bucks over there. I mean. They're, they, they handle a lot of climate change and predators. They're, they're tough critters, you know, they're Well, I think smart. just any migratory buck like that on any state that they're migratory oh, like yeah. that, pff, they have to go through so much. Think about what they got to survive. I don't, Absolutely. you know, I can't quote the amount of miles, but the, that like national uh, mule deer migration is, is amazing. If you've, if you've never watched like any, any documentary on that, just tune into it it's i've watched the time lapse of it and it was sweet it's, I, it's amazing wyoming How, yeah like wyoming. Wyoming. it's wyoming yeah 
and Dude, the time lapse of that is insane. Well, that's why they Real had to put dangerous. in some of those like uh, those underpasses for animals. The Wyoming, yeah, yeah, because like there's the so many going uh, across the road and getting hit. The, the Wyoming Federation, yeah, yeah, they, they, it's crazy. They had to fence and, off miles and, so and make it to where they could only go under certain areas of the highway because they were just getting plowed. They're getting plowed. Yeah, let's not get too far off on a tangent here. Well, and what blows my mind is these deer, year after year, will stump us. And one minute we think we have them figured out. Oh my and then we will find the sheds to a buck that was living in four feet of snow. It's yeah. like, we're we're not going to figure them out completely. But no. And they move so oh, much. Oh, frustrates me so much, They, they move Especially so much. Especially with sheds. When I think I have a deer, when I think I have the sheds figured out, I'm like, oh, dude, next year I'm freaking killing them. Terrible year. I won't find shit. I'll be like, dude, what happened? I had them so dialed. Yeah, it changes year after year. That's what makes hunting fun. Exactly. And that's why you can never spend too much time in the woods. Never. Absolutely not. You're not going to quit learning. Year after year, I stunt myself, and I love it. I love when I get frustrated because it just drives me to be a better hunter a better uh observer of deer everything like i want to watch them all year long just to understand you know what they're doing year after year yeah and i think it's fascinating like it well it's just every single time like marlon was saying it's like every single time you think you have them like dialed you're ready to go you're like this is gonna be the year i'm gonna smoke a giant buck don't say that because I think that is here. <laughs> and dude, it's so true. Yeah, like that one on your dome right there, man. Like I would love to find that one, but yeah. I could guarantee you if I patterned it, what was gonna happen is I'd be like, I'm gonna go out there because I did this with a bull. It's the same thing, like, dude. Every time they're they're smart critters, but they, that's what keeps us going out. Their life is survival, like For day sure. in and day out. They have to survive, and I mean, ultimately, the people that. I mean, we have to kill. Like they only have to deal with us a couple months out of the year. Yeah. They have to deal with <laughs> every other predator. Yeah. Predators, man, year round. I mean, we yes. could, we could we could go on a whole nother tangent about predators in in yeah, we're not in our state to, alone, but we're we not won't do that. Yeah. But uh, you know these these deer, you think you got them figured out, and they and then they completely stump you. I will say to you guys that are listening to us. If you are discouraged about deer hunting and you just are having a hard time figuring it out, persistence pays off. The hardest the hardest deer I ever hunted was the deer I hunted this year. And I hunted every single day. I wanted to kill a buck during general rifle season. That was like my goal. I wanted to kill a mature blacktail buck. And I hunted every single day and I've never been so discouraged in my life. And if there's one thing I can tell you guys is to just keep at it because once all the stars align, the moon and the sun and everything works out. It happens. It takes one step. Yep. That's it, all it takes is one step. Looking left, looking it's right. Literally, just, you know, we, we have this saying when, when we're out counting, it's just one more ridge. One more I ridge. I like that. One more ridge, yeah. One more ridge. I, I don't know if I go we, that far. I it's in that next bush. I had a... <laughs> one more bush. Yeah, one more bush, guys. One more bush. <laughs> one, one more ridge. One more ridge. And it, you know, it, yeah, it happened to be... There's these guys on, on Instagram, uh, elk... Uh, For us blacktail hunters, it's one more bush. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, th- I think they're, they're, they're Instagram handles like alcoholics, but, you know, they're... 
that they made some stickers and stuff that said one more ridge but that's kind of always been our motto is like you know next ridge dude you, you can't know? kill him if you're not hunting. one, yeah, one more pushing. ridge one more ridge don't stop hunting like plain and simple like if i would have given up on my early archery tag this year like there was many times that i wanted to just stop like this is enough like i'm done hiking these hills i'm done humping i'm done but you got to be persistent and just keep persevere you know do it for yourself if if nothing else like just try to be successful Pro- you know set a goal for yourself in a year and 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 do it like absolutely and if and if you guys are just to the point where you just want to give up or you need some advice please message us on facebook or instagram and i will do my best to point you guys in the right direction like that is our goal is to to help you guys out so hit us up i'll I'm not going to give you my secret honey holes or Marlon's not going <laughs> to give you his or whatever, but we're going to point we you guys. Give you some advice for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we can tell about. you, I mean, I'll tell some people some areas they can go hunting. There, yeah. yeah. There's, there's nothing wrong with a little help, but you know, like it, it takes boots on the ground, like getting to know yeah, an area. That's get, the key. Dude, get, just... get to know an area. Like, you know, I, I can't say this cause I hunted a different elk area this year, but, um, you know, once you get to know an area and you've been there multiple years and you kind of figure it out, that that plays a huge role in 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 your success there. Like, you you see these guys that keep going to the same spots every year and they 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 keep pulling out bucks. They yep. keep pulling out they keep pulling out elk. You know, they keep pulling out bulls. It's it's proven. Like, you keep going to the same area and you're and you're successful. Like, you're. You learn something new about that area every single time. You, you learn something new, it. but you also come into it knowing like, okay, well, I kind of know like where these elk are going to be or, or where I think they're going to be. And they might move this way or they might move that way or the same thing with deer. Like, you know, I might know they feed this direction or they come down off this hillside or, you know, get to know an area. So let's that's, do this that's my biggest quick. advice, especially with late season. Like get to know the area. What do you look for though? I'm a new hunter. This is my first year I go out. What do you look for late season? Just uh, real quick, like just rattle it off real fast. First thing you look for in a spot. This, this is going to sound, sound really cliche, but I look for deer. Find does. No, on a map. You look for deer on a map? Find no. does. That's what okay. I'm saying. Looking on a map. I've never been to an area. There's a late season unit open. I want to hunt it. I know nothing about it. What's the first thing you look for? The first thing I'm going to look feed, for on a map. Feed next to timber on, or, or feed next to cover. Feed next to cover. Like you're, if we're talking like canyon style, we're talking like uh, feed on top of the canyons, and and deep cover in the in the canyons, and or uh, or you know timber on in the bottom, you know whatever you whatever you might feel is uh, cover. But that's what I feel like. We're talking feed on top because I I primarily find them on top, and then they feed down on the bottom and get in cover, and then. Honestly, they're gone for the day unless I get lucky. So if I'm looking at a topo map, just a straight topo yep. map, and we're talking benches. Late, late season deer hunting, yes. Yep. I'm looking for benches, and I'm looking for a south-facing slope mm-hmm. that goes to a north-facing slope that they can take cover on. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly what I'm looking for, but I am also going to scout that area. If if I can, I'm going to scout that area and get my eyes on it. But that I'm, is, I'm going to play the dummy one more time. Because I know there's a lot of guys that, that don't know this. Why are you looking for a south-facing slope? So 
It's where the in, sun hits. Yes, in the in the winter time, when snow is falling, those deer are going to hit a, a south facing slope because there's going to be more sun there, which means less snow, more feed. That's like the basic. I just want to get that out there. Hunt north so facing many slopes for for sheds. Early season. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I found sheds on north facing slopes. I have too, but. No, that was a joke. Uh, <laughs> south facing slopes and for late season, yeah, south facing slopes because you're gonna get less snow, less weather. You're gonna get more direct sunlight throughout the day. Cool. That's what. I, that's kind of what I wanted treat, to get out. You're gonna have more cover too. And that's a good basic rule to go by, but that is not an end all be all, guys. No. Like, make sure that you guys are scouting these areas. These deer do crazy things. Every deer day. are gonna be where deer want to be, man. And well, I've always said that. That just goes down to say, like, you know, get to get to know an area. Like, find an area, pick an area, get to know an area, and over time, you will become successful in there. I mean, there's guys that are hunting in downtown, like, like not downtown Beaverton, but there's guys that are hunting, in, like, in Beaverton and and killing <laughs> Oh, city deer. City deer. <laughs> but, I, I mean, Marlon, like Marlon said it best, though. It's like, dude, you think about how much time he's put in, like, even in his ground blind spot. Yeah. Like, it's dude, just it just putting time takes in. time. So basically, get, if, if you guys don't find, get discouraged, unit, just you got to spend time out there. Boots on the ground. You got to spend time investing in a trail camera. Get out there and just beat the brush. Find them. The more and more I spend time hunting, the more successful I am. And That's you learn more every single time you go out, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, there was years where I just was like, oh, yeah, cool. It's late buck season. I'll go out for last four days of the season and shoot a deer. And that was about the extent to the time that I put into it. <laughs> But, but now since, it's just yeah. like you, I don't know. When still you got to get a bow in your hand. We will. Still got, well, when bulls are screaming in your face, man. Oh. All right, guys. Well, again, if you guys have any questions, hit us up. We will try to point you in the right direction. Thanks again for listening to Addicted Hunting Podcast. Before Sean closes this out, do not forget to hit the subscribe button Leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or Google Play, wherever you're listening. Please, please do that. Give us some feedback. Let us know if you guys are liking these episodes. And if you're watching on YouTube, comment. Comment on all the little topics that we talked about. We want to hear what you guys think, what you got, what your guys' suggestions are. Give, give all the uh, other hunters out there that are watching or listening some of your advice. Absolutely. Again, Good, bad, or indifferent. Doesn't matter. Yeah, Let's absolutely. Hear Let's hear it. All right. Thanks again, guys. We'll see you out there. Later, Dave. See you later. later.